morning. Stand with us this morning as we open in worship the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Hopefully you'll recognize the theme this morning. For all that you've done, I will thank you. For all that you're going to do. For all that you've promised and all that you are. It's all that has carried me through. Jesus, I thank you. And I thank you, thank you, Lord. And I thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving and setting me free. Thank you for giving your life just for me. How I thank you, Jesus, I thank you. Amen. Amen. On the count of three, I want you to say something out loud that you are thankful for. One big hodgepodge. You ready? One, two, three. Life. That was a lot. That was a lot. A lot to be thankful for this morning, isn't there? Welcome to Sunset Hills Baptist Church. We are so thankful that you are here this morning to share with us and partner with us in worship of Almighty God who has done everything for us. Amen. Amen. If this is your first time here with us this morning, as we're still trickling in this morning, so good to be in the house of the Lord. If this is your first time, we want to say thank you for being here. And one way we do that is we, we'd love for you to stop by our welcome desk out there, uh, Mr. Lewis and Miss Teresa. Wave your hands out there, Miss Teresa. They're back there. They'd love to come, uh, for you to come say hi to them or them to come say hi to you and so we can uh, figure out how to best serve you and your family and say hi to you and welcome you this morning to, uh, to church. And if you're joining us on our live stream this morning, you can text the word hi to our church number right there on the screen. We'd love to get to connect with you as well and know that you are welcome in the house of the Lord this morning wherever you're at, whether it's in Canada, here, China. We want you to know that the house of the Lord is for everyone. Are you thankful to be here this morning? Amen. We have a, a lot to talk about this morning. The most important thing being is that Jesus is coming back. He's coming back and he's made a way for you and me to be made right with God. To him be the glory. Yeah. 
Baker. Mom and dad are going to come out here. Sister, this is Trent and Jennifer and Catherine. Bakers have been coming for a while and Reed here came to me a few weeks ago and he said, Pastor Mike, I talked with my mom and dad last night and I made the decision to invite Christ into my life. And we've been talking for a few weeks now and uh, talking about Jesus and the first time I met him, he actually came up to me and he said, Hey, did you know that the moon is made out of um, iron and, what was it? Stone. Iron and stone. I said, No, I didn't know that. <laughs> He's taught me a lot about, about space and moons and things. He's really, he really likes God's creation. So when he came and he talked to me about becoming a Christian, man, we just thought that was the best news ever that a family could, could hope for for their child. So today, Reed, we celebrate. We celebrate your decision to accept Christ into your life, the best decision a person could make. I too want to say, Reed, that it absolutely is a wonderful decision. It's going to make a difference in years to come in your life. And not just those years that you look forward to. It's just like tomorrow, the days after. And then one of these days when you grow up, we just want you to always look to Jesus and say, you are my Lord, my Savior. And then I'm grateful on this weekend of Thanksgiving before we have Thanksgiving. You've got something that to be, is your family's grateful for and everyone to be grateful for. Even the Bible says that when you gave your heart to Jesus, the angels celebrated in heaven. What a wonderful thing with that. And today we are celebrating that as a church family. We welcome you into our family by following Jesus in baptism, doing his commandment. Okay. Read upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and the obedience to his command. It's now my privilege, my joy to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son the Holy Spirit. How about that? Bless you guys.
today as we enter into this time of, of Thanksgiving season. God, I just pray that we would just take inventory of our lives, God, and just as that old song says, that we'd count all of our blessings, Lord, because you've given us so many. And Lord, on those days that 
Lord, Satan tries to double down and attack us. God, that we would stand on that promise that God, that, that God, at the end of time, you're coming back to, to, God, to call your children home. And God, I've read the book and I know how the story ends. Lord, it doesn't end well for Satan. And God, I know that he's not happy about that. But Lord, I'm just so grateful today that I'm on the winning side of things. So Lord, this morning as we dive into your word, God, if there's one here that can't say for certain that if you were to call us home today, that they could spend eternity with you. God, the most amazing gift that we have to be thankful for, salvation. If they've never accepted you as Lord and Savior, that Lord, today could be that day that they said yes to you. We love you and it's in your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated this morning. You glad to be at church this morning? Oh my goodness, come on. Let me start again. Are you glad to be at church this morning? Amen. Boy, I was beginning to wonder. Thank you for being here on this cold morning. I don't think there's a better way to experience church than to have a young man baptized into the kingdom of God. Is that not right? Yeah. We're in our final week of the series, What's Your Story? The first week we looked at the story of Malachi. I don't know if you were here for that. You maybe remember he was the man who pushed Esther to save the Israelites from the tyranny of King Xerxes, uh, the king of Persia. And it's the story where we get the famous saying, who knows whether or not you have come to this kingdom for such a time as this. It's a story of courage and how God continually orchestrates, orchestrated mere humans to accomplish his plan. And then the next week, the following week, we explored the kid who showed up with about 15,000 other people one morning to see Jesus. And it seemed that this kid was the only one that came to see Jesus that was prepared to stay through lunch that day. And Jesus did some amazing things with his, what he brought and what he had. Then last week, we looked at just uh, a small chapter in the life of Korah, who led the rebellion against Moses, and it didn't turn out so good for him, as it never does when someone leads a rebellion against God. It's not wise to go against God or the man that God chooses to lead his people to accomplish his plan. All these are true stories about how the Bible records uh, their stories, and, and we can learn valuable lessons from them. And today we're going to look at yet another man whose name was never recorded in the Bible. We don't know who he was, except he had a reputation. But this man became known in the kingdom of God only uh, minutes after he uh, had an encounter with Jesus. I want us to pray and thank God and ask him to use this message to speak to us today on this Sunday before Thanksgiving. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we are grateful. We're thankful 
Thank you for all the things you do for us. As the song we started out said, we're just grateful for all that you've done. So much that we just take for granted, so much we, we don't even realize just how, how blessed we are to be called your children, to be part of your family, to live in a country we live in, to, to experience all the, the blessings you've given to us. May, may this week we really take some time to, to say thank you, God, for being our God and your love and mercy shown to us. I pray that you use this time, Father, Speak to our hearts, find us obedient to you as we listen and rely upon the Holy Spirit to take this time that, uh, and use it to your glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. When I began this series, I searched out for some people whom I could open up the sermons with by, and share, by sharing their stories. One of the people that was someone who was from the past, and he had a great impact upon uh, the world for Jesus uh, in how he did his life and started inviting people to come to Christ. And you may remember that his name was D.L. Moody, if you were here or watched that particular sermon. The following sermon, Sunday, we heard from Kent Ford and his testimony about how God miraculously saved his life back in January, and we're grateful for that. Then last Sunday, I shared about Kelly, Mike, Alvin, and myself at the staff retreat at Rock Island State Park. Remember the guy that was going down the roaring Caney Fork River in the kayak? What a story he has. I'm glad he was able to survive it to tell this story later. I truly enjoy working with Pastor Mike and Pastor Kelly. And what I really probably enjoy more than that is getting to able to, being able to pick on them during my sermons from time to time. I don't have to look too far with the two of them to get some fodder to use at a time like this. We have staff meetings every Tuesday for most part. And usually we go out to have lunch on days that we meet, and this week was no different. After lunch, we did some Christmas shopping for some decorations. You see some of them back on the tables that I'll tell you more about after the service is over with. Uh, so we go out and we do some shopping, and um, we were trying to get ready for the upcoming photo booth that we'll be setting up tomorrow, as a matter of fact. Someone would like to come and help us. We're going to create a country church scene down at the White Building, and we are going to encourage the, the community to come and have their pictures taken in this Christmas scene. So we're out shopping, trying to find some things to set up for tomorrow, and I just got to tell you, when I take these guys out, you never know what's going to happen. We first went to the um, at-home store in Franklin, and when we got there, uh, the two of them disappeared somewhere in the store. I don't know where they went. I came out, uh, I came to find out after we left that Mike had, had made um, a visit to go use the facilities. While there, he noticed that one of the stalls was occupied and noticed this guy's shoes, just knowing for sure it was Kelly taking care of some of his business. So Mike 
Mike tells the story of how he began to make all these different kinds of noises in the bathroom to annoy Kelly. I don't know what kind of noises he was making, nor do I really want to know what he was doing. He was just doing his best to, to get under Kelly's skin while uh, he was uh, there, shall I ta say, taking care of his business. The only problem was that soon Mike found out that it was not Kelly in the bathroom. I noticed Mike sort of staying low-key the rest of the time we were in the story, story, and we all had a good laugh when Mike shared the story with Kelly and me. And after that, we went to, uh, uh, to Hobby Lobby. If you've been in the Hobby Lobby during this holiday season, my goodness, it was a zoo, it was crowded. People backed up in lines trying to get checked out, and all through the store were all kinds of people. And Kelly and I were over in the area that had the Christmas wreaths. Uh, I don't know where Mike was. I don't know if he escaped and went to the bathroom there to make noises or not. But uh, at any rate, he wasn't there. And, well, I tell you, I'm just going to let Kelly tell the rest of the story. Come on up here and just tell everybody what you did. Well, I'm not going to lie. I've been praying about a unique outreach, uh, love your neighbor, for our church. And so I was just experimenting, and I was trying it. So we were looking at wreaths, and there was one wreath that had mistletoe. It was completely made of mistletoe. And so I grabbed that wreath, and I held it over a pretty lady's head. A total stranger. It was a stranger. Uh, among a bunch of other ladies. Yes. And I said, I said, Pastor Steve, I said, isn't this mistletoe? And I made that lady's day. Come on, Steve. I, I made that lady's day. You didn't make my day. <laughs> Held it over this lady's head. I would have loved to have had a video to see if she would laid a big wet kiss right on Kelly after that. <laughs> she didn't, but she did get a good laugh out of it. And she said, well, ain't you cute? I couldn't believe what I just witnessed. Did he just do that? She got a good laugh out of it. So did her friends. I didn't, at least not at first. I quickly rounded everybody up and got them out of the store. These lighthearted stories will be fun to tell as I'll tell them in the future, as it is fun to tell this morning. I... You know what? We don't laugh enough today, right? We should laugh. And sometimes the stories we're able to tell are the stories that are funny. Quite often, they're not so funny. Uh, there's a man whose story we're going to look at who really didn't get an opportunity to tell his story later on in life. He certainly has a story, but... Because he couldn't tell his story, he, there's something happened to him. He actually dies soon after the events of his life happened that caused history to remember him. So I've entitled, entitled this story, this sermon, The Man Who Didn't Get to Tell His Story 
until. If he could tell the story um, of what he had, how he had lived up until this time, his life would not be so exemplary. You wouldn't want to hold him up to your son as the one that you would want your son to model his behavior after. That is, unless you wanted your son to become a criminal. He really didn't have much to show for himself up until this time, and the Roman government didn't think so either. And when we begin to discover anything about this man's story, it's at the most crucial time in all of history for all of mankind that his story comes to light. He finds himself set apart, and he's part of a greater story. He really is in the role of a supporting cast, but a very important role that I, has great le- that I think has great lessons for us. Now, let me give you a backstory. The, Jesus is hanging on the cross, nails in his hands, nails in his feet, and the crown of thorns have been placed upon his head. He was mocked up at this, during this time, ridiculed, suffered from being whipped and beaten beyond recognition. He's a victim of the cruelest form of corporal punishment known, and he's dying in sheer, utter agony. And he's hanging there in between two criminals. We have have no idea who they are, just that they're thieves. No real history about their background. They could have been rebels of some sort, perhaps members of a gang who were known for violently attacking others and people who were unsuspecting, getting whatever and hurting whoever they wanted to with not much consequence until they get caught. And finally, the Roman government basically says, you're bad enough that you deserve to die. So the Bible records this conversation that happens between Jesus and these two criminals. At first, according to Matthew and Mark's gospel, both thieves are joining in the madness that the crowd has already started. And in their despair, they they are hurling insults at Jesus. And we pick up the story in Luke's gospel, the 23rd chapter, verse 39, where it says, One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, saying, Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. When you stop and think about it, it sounds like a reasonable request. Aren't you the Messiah? Aren't you the one that we've heard so much about? Aren't you who people have said you are? If you are, then save yourself. We've heard that you've saved others. You've done some incredible miracles around the countryside. We know about that. If you are who you say you are, then you have the ability to save yourself, but at the same time, save us. You see, this thief wanted Jesus to to be the Christ and to save himself, but he was putting a caveat to it that as long as you can do this, as long as you save me too. It's a picture of basically people that take the same kind of approach today. Hey, God, come take care of my predicament. 
get me out of this jam I'm in. But there's no repentance on this man's part. There's not even, if you will save me, I'll straighten up my life and, and, and I'll promise I'll do better. Not even that. He's a picture of hardness, of the hardness of man who basically refused to repent of their sins. That's the story of one thief. But something is beginning to happen to the other one. Initially, he mocks Jesus just like the other thief, just like the crowd does. But somewhere in the midst of the pain and the agony that he's experiencing, a transformation begins to take place. We're not told precisely what precipitated the change in the, in the dying thief. Uh, we don't know if it was maybe the silence that Jesus refused to, when he answered, when he said, he refused to answer the critics. Or was it the words when Jesus uttered them, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Whatever it was, a radical change happened in a matter of minutes to this thief. Verse 40 says, But the other criminal rebuked him. Not Jesus. He's rebuking the other criminal on the other side of Jesus. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, this man, has done nothing wrong. This penitent thief looks to the other thief, and he, he just basically says to him, Don't you have any fear in God? In a few hours. We don't know exactly when, but it's coming. We're both going to be dead. And there's a judgment that is coming. Don't you get that? Can't you seem to understand that? What we see in this, and this man whose name we don't know, basically can call him a repentant thief, he begins to recognize his desperate, sinful, and lost condition. He says, We get what we deserve. The punishment, it's just for what we've done. All of our lives we've been criminals. Now we're having to pay the price of it. So I accept and I acknowledge my guilt. I accept and I acknowledge that I've hurt other people. I accept and I acknowledge my sin. And then he makes an astounding statement, saying that Jesus... He doesn't deserve what he's getting. He proclaims the innocence of Christ. The reason that he was saved is because first he began to realize that he was lost. And he needed a Savior. Interesting enough, he takes an opposite position of what the other thief does. He doesn't say to Jesus, Hey, Jesus, get off the cross. He, he, he doesn't say to him, Try to negotiate any terms with Jesus. He, he doesn't say, I'll follow you if you'll get us both off the cross. He, he doesn't say anything like this. The first thief, he was concerned about his own person being saved. His self, 
So he could probably go out and continue to live the life that he'd already started. But this penitent thief, he takes a different position. He's more concerned about saving his soul than he is his skin. This story is really about more than one man's story. About this one who couldn't tell the story. It's really about three men's story. On the one side is a man who continues to utter reproaches against Jesus using insolent language and scoffing language. And on the other side of Christ is in stark contrast another thief who demonstrates true repentance and faith. On the one side, you've got rejection. And on the other side, you've got acceptance. On the one side, you've got damnation. And on the other side, you have salvation. And then there's Jesus in the middle, who says this. The man says to Jesus, Remember me when you come in your, to your kingdom. He believes that the Lord could and would save him, and he commits himself to the Lord and trusted him for whatever is to come. He doesn't know exactly, but he knows for sure that he's going to, to be judged by God. He said, whatever time I have left, I trust you with my life. And Jesus, the man in the middle, says this, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. We're familiar with the story. I hope maybe you're seeing this from a little different perspective. As an undeserving thief, a, a common criminal who was sentenced to die, who doesn't deserve any mercy, as a man who could do nothing to save himself, Nothing that he could do would acquire any type of salvation by himself. But in that, he hears an incredible promise from the one who could. The ending of his story, the, the one he would not get, live to, get to tell his family about, would radically change because of what the man in the, on the middle cross was able to do for him. In those final hours of his life, Jesus says, today, today, you'll be with me in paradise. It's exactly the same promise that when Reed gave his life to Jesus, he was given. It's the same promise that each and every one of us who have been to that place where the, the, the dying thief found himself needing to acknowledge our sin, needing to confess it, knowing that there's nothing that we could do to overcome it, yet we come to a place and see face to face, here's the one who can. He can save us. A radical change in this man's destiny because of the promise that Jesus made. Now the fact that this holy Savior died between hopeless sinners wasn't just an accident. It was a divine appointment orchestrated by God, a fulfillment of prophecy that had been given 750 years before the Messiah. 
Isaiah 53, 12, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered among the who? The transgressors. Foretold. You'll be hanging before between two criminals, the transgressors. For he born the, bore the sin of many and made intercession for his transgressors. We understand that. Before the world was even created, God puts this appointment on his calendar for the Savior to meet these sinners and for these sinners to meet the Savior. But he says this, the sin of many. It's predicted that the sin of many, you know who that many includes? It includes me and it includes you. The sin of many, that's my sin and that's your sin. And here's what he does. He makes intercession for me and for you and for those sinners that were hanging on each side of him. And there's a reality that, that we see out of this story that happens. We all deserve eternal death. At least for a while, that's part of our story. We all deserve it. It doesn't matter who you are. You could be as guilty as the vilest of the two criminals who were crucified with Jesus that day. Or you may have convinced yourself that you're a pretty good person, and surely God would not send me a good person to hell. But the Bible says otherwise. Romans 3.10 says, There is none, no one righteous, not even one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No matter how society judges the severity of our sin or the lack of severity of our sin compared to the holiness of God, we are all sinners. And we all deserve what Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is what? Death. That's the first reality. That's a part of all of our stories. But here's another one. We are helpless to save ourselves. Regardless of what the world says to you, you can't do it. You think back about where the repentant thief found himself. He was nailed to a cross. Have you ever got your britches caught on a nail before? Seriously? Really? Have you ever been caught someplace where you just can't get away and you had to have someone to come and rescue you? It's not a pretty place. It's very uncomfortable. You find yourself in a position you can't do anything. You are totally dependent upon someone else to rescue you. This thief finds himself in a place where he can't be rescued by anyone let alone himself. Nothing he could do would be able to save himself by himself. He was totally at the mercy of someone else, and the only thing that he could do was seek forgiveness, and there was only one person he could go and seek that forgiveness from, and only one person who could grant it to him, and that was Jesus. And that's where we are helpless to save ourselves. 
Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's very clear. You cannot save yourself. However, it is a gift of God, not a, the, a result of works so that no one may boast. It's a reality. There's nothing any one of us can do to save ourselves. And yet, here's another reality. And boy, this is a beautiful reality. That all can be a part of all of our stories, and that's this, Jesus died for you. He died for sinners. Remember, he died for, he came to, to give himself for the many transgressors. He died for, for my sin. He died for your sin because I was a transgress, transgressor. Two criminals representing the worst of humanity, taking whatever and doing whatever they wanted to others, yet Jesus, at his lowest point, shows the one who's repentant, mercy, grace, forgiveness. And the first person that Jesus took to heaven with him was a murderous cutthroat thief. Let that sink in. When God saved a dying thief, this was God's way of telling us that I can save anyone at any time. He says, come on, compare your sin to the thief. You think you're a pretty bad person? Well, guess what? In my dying moments, I saved someone who didn't deserve it. And what does that say about you? About us? No matter how grievous our sins we may think may be, it is not beyond the grace of Jesus. Isn't that a good thing to know? He willingly suffered the most brutal of deaths so that he could cover the most heinous sins of all. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his love for us in this. Say it with me. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Here's another reality that all of our stories have, and not one of us can change it, and that is this, only Jesus can save you. Only He can. He had already just hours earlier told His disciples that He could appeal to His Father, and he will come at once and send more than 12 legions of, of, of angels. Only Jesus could choose to do this. No one else could do it. He was the only one that would be the sacrificial lamb. If Jesus had a saved himself, you and me would have no hope of eternity. Only by staying on the cross... Remember, the thief said, come on down off of that cross. But Jesus said, no, I can't do that. I have to stay here. And by him staying on the cross, only Jesus could provide salvation. 
He was the perfect substitute sacrifice. And his debt paid our sin debt. Go back to Isaiah 53, 5 and 6. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. And we are all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Only Jesus can save you. That leads to another statement. Jesus is the only way to salvation. There is none other. Acts 4.12 says this, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Put that in perspective of this man, this thief, who didn't get to tell his story. But there's an until. Until he got to heaven. Until he gets to heaven. You're probably familiar with the old hymn. There is a fountain filled with blood. You recognize it? It goes like this. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Let the word sink in. And sinners plunge beneath the flood, lose all their guilty stains. And the author of the hymn couldn't let it just go one time and say it. The song goes, lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. And sinners plunged beneath the flood lose all their guilty stains. And then the author chooses to recognize the story of this man. You see, he couldn't tell this story here on this earth. But his story would be living on throughout all of history because of what Jesus did. And so he starts the second verse of that beautiful old hymn, The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Wash all my sins away. Wash all my sins away. And there may I, though vile as he, do you get what the authors say? That we're no better than the thief. And yet, as vile as I am, Jesus washed all my sins away. Here's the reality. If this was your last breath, you would be one place or another instantly following. No second chances. No way to work out your salvation. 
or a better solution than where you will be in the next instant. Failing to choose Jesus is choosing to reject him as one thief did. Everyone would choose. And that choice determines our eternal destiny. The humble thief chose Jesus and life, but the arrogant thief rejected Jesus and in that decision chose eternal condemnation. And just as the repentant dying thief had the opportunity to change his destiny, it led to him being able to enjoy eternal destiny with Jesus in paradise. And we have that choice also. John 3, 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. In all of our lives, you're not going to escape this. There will come a day when everyone will experience a radical change as we transition from this life into the next. It's going to happen. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And right now, there's a reality about all of our stories. We're all headed to one of two eternal destinations. Eternal judgment in hell or life with Jesus in heaven. One thief found himself in eternal judgment in hell, and one found himself with Jesus in paradise. So I'll leave you with this question that I started with in the very beginning. What's your story? How inclusive of your story is Jesus part of it? Would you pray with me, please? And Father, I pray that right now there is deep contemplation about our story of whether or not it truly includes Jesus, our destiny, and the fact that that the only way our destiny is going to be ending in a good way or starting in a good way when this life is over is by the choice we made of whether or not Jesus is a part of our story, whether or not we come to Him for acceptance, for forgiveness, 
for love and mercy and grace to be showered upon us or whether we reject him. Pray, Father, if there's someone here that right now the Holy Spirit is speaking to to say, what's your story? That that heart, if it does not have Jesus as a part of their story, would change it right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If that's you, if that's you, this is the moment. This is the time right now. You're, you're the thief hanging on the cross. You're the one that has the decision to make. Are you going to be like the thief on the, on the other side that rejected? Or are you going to be like the thief that's going to accept it? Right now, choose to accept. Come share it with me. Let's pray about it. Would you please stand? What can I give? What can I offer to a king for all the love you've shown, for all your mercy over me? I called your name, you heard my cry. your eternal destiny by, by, by doing what Reed did times past. But just maybe you know someone, part of your family, your friends, in your circle, people that you might work with. They're not saved. ask right now that you just bow your heads in prayer. If you know someone that you're able to call their name, first I want you to just 
just, just raise your hand, please. No one looking around. Just, just raise your hand if you know someone. That you're by calling them by their name right now. Keep your hands up for a moment, please. And now just in your, in your quiet voice between you and God, you can put your hands down. Say, God, I'm praying for my loved one. I'm praying for my family member. God, I so desperately want to see them come to Christ. Father, you know. You know our hearts and you can see inside each one of our hearts. You can see that loved one, that that person that so many hands have been lifted over. You know exactly who they are. We pray that there will be a time of of destiny, a time of, of orchestration. Maybe you're using a person who's raised their hand praying before you. Maybe you're just using someone else. But Father, It'll be our earnest prayer that that this person will come to Jesus. And I'm not going to stop praying for them until they do. I'm going to pray for them today. I'm going to pray for them tomorrow. I'm going to keep on praying for them. I'm never going to stop praying for them because I'm so concerned and I love them so much that I want to see them come to Christ. I want to see them come to go to heaven to be with you. I'm not going to give up on it, Lord. I pray this, that God gives you, gives us the opportunity to speak Jesus into our life. Would you pray that? Say, well, okay, now you're asking something totally different. You're asking a big challenge here. I don't know if I'm up to that. Let me tell you what. You can do what God's leading you to do. And if there's one thing the series have said with Moses and Aaron, it was that, man, God told us to do this. I don't feel up to it, but you gave us a way to do it. And the God is going to give you exactly the same thing. If you're serious. About your loved one. Help us, Father. To be concerned. To care to demonstrate the kind of love that was demonstrated on the cross when Jesus came to save us. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus and with the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Amen. Maybe may be seated, please. Amen. Pastor Steve, before you leave the stage, um, will you talk to us about the wreaths in the back? Yes. Is not now not the time you want to talk about that? I was going to take a breather, but... Oh, take a breather. Take a breather. All right. Hey, I uh, hope you noticed on your seats there, uh, I was trying to give you a chance to not have to walk right back up the steps, but hey. I'm not that bad. Okay, all right. Hopefully uh, you guys noticed on your seats there, um, it says, Welcome Home. 
and there's a schedule of, of uh, sermon topics. And um, I hope some of those are intriguing to you. We've, we've talked a little bit about those um, during our staff retreat, and I'm super excited about this Advent season. It's going to be different than what we've done in the past. And so uh, we encourage you to uh, make plans to be here each and every Sunday that you're available to. And uh, I, I hope that this Christmas time is going to be very special for you, as I know it is us. We're going to talk about the front door next week. We literally... Kelly, Mike, and myself, we literally went on Monday and took the front door out of someone's house. It's true. We did. You have to be here and see what it looks like next Sunday. Front door, the junk room. How many of you, should I ask, how many of you have junk rooms? How many of you have junk rooms? Oh, come on. I know there's probably more than that. I'm coming to your house to check it out to see. So I know exactly who I'm preaching to. Then the living room and the dining room and then... We'll be having our, our traditional Christmas Eve candlelight service. When are we going to do that? Christmas Eve. I check you to see if you're listening. And then we will be having church services on Christmas Day, okay? So we will be here on Christmas Day, and uh, we invite you to come be a part of our Christmas Day service as well. We will not have life groups on Sunday. And then on January 4th, uh, that's supposed to be 1st, We'll be doing live stream only, okay, January 1st, right? Yeah, that's a Sunday. We'll be doing live stream only. We will not be in church on New Year's Day, and you can watch at 10 o'clock. Okay, so people are wondering what the wreaths are about. Um, we are, go we're, again, we're doing some things a little differently this year. And uh, as a way to help us decorate the church, but also to do something very special with you and possibly your family, we have purchased 32 different wreaths. They're all different ones, different kinds. There are 32 different wreaths back there, and you'll see them across on the tables if you haven't already seen them. What we're going to do is if you would like to purchase one of these wreaths, it's exactly what we paid for it at, um, at home, okay? If you would like to purchase one of these wreaths, there is a card like this. It has a corresponding number to that wreath. On that wreath is also a tag that has this number. You can go back there and you can uh, browse around in our little store back there and you can see which wreath you like the best. And if you beat somebody else to it, it's yours. First come, first serve, okay? But what we'd like for you to do is just purchase that wreath for whatever amount it is. I think they start at $9.99 and go up to $45 or something, depending on how fancy it is. And, and what we will do, we will use that. We want you to leave it here. We don't want you to take it with you. But we will ask you to leave it here, and we will decorate our church with those wreaths in a very prominent place. I'm not going to tell you where it is, but we will display those wreaths. Now, here's what we're uh, saying that we uh, are asking you to do. If you would like to remember someone of your family or friend who has already passed away and memorialize them with this wreath, you may do so, so with that. And we will uh, be scrolling those, their name and your name on our announcements as we're getting ready for church and afterwards and memorializing that family member with the wreath, okay? And then at the end of the holiday season, after the Christmas season, after New Year's and we start taking the decorations down, you can take this wreath home with you, okay? So we're using it to decorate the church. 
to remember a loved one, and then you get to keep it. We're not even going to charge you any extra for it, okay? So it's just, if you'd like to do that, there are 32. For, so the first 32 people that uh, do this, then we'll use it during the Christmas season, and then you can take it home at the end. Is that, is that explained? Yeah, it's good. Take the wreath, take the card, take, I'm sorry, leave the wreath, take the card, take it to the welcome kiosk out there with your check or your cash, the amount that is stated on the card, and leave the wreath here and take the card out to uh, the welcome kiosk there. And, and are we good? Yeah. Understand it? So, yeah. All right, man, that was a mouthful. If your wreath has mistletoe on it, text me. It might come with a bonus. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Nobody's going to buy that wreath now. <laughs> I certainly am not. <laughs> Hey, I will let you know, uh, December 1st, uh, moms and dads, if you just need uh, just a, a shopping break, uh, a shopping night out, that's a great opportunity. Um, I'm sorry, December 10th, it is our parents' night out. Uh, 4.30, 9.30, hopefully that'll give you enough time to uh, get out and get some of those last minute gifts um, or, or first, first gifts for your family there. And uh, I know your kids will have a great time. Our students will be helping with that. So we're excited about that opportunity. Also coming up um, on December the 1st, Favorite Things, Ladies Ministry. Uh, we encourage you to be a part of that, 6.30. If you want more information, uh, please see Lynn, um, and you can RSVP in the foyer. Um, or you can text the word CHRISTMAS to 776-1807, and uh, that'll help you out with your RSVP as well. Uh, we are going to be decorating for Christmas on November the 29th. And so you might have a sneak peek in the prominent place that those wreaths will go. So that's a week from Tuesday. Tomorrow, if you want to come help, we're decorating for the photo booth. Right. We'll be around 9 o'clock or so. All right, one final, two final announcements. There will not be any Wednesday prayer meeting this coming Wednesday because of Thanksgiving holidays. I also want to say, in addition to Reed becoming uh, a, a, a getting baptized this morning, his mom and dad, Trent, Jennifer, and Catherine, and Reed are coming to be a part of our church family here. So, guys, will you stand up, please? And uh, had a chance to spend with them this past week uh, before, and just enjoyed our time together and how they came about choosing Sunset Hills to be their new church home. And, and we're grateful. You guys are here. We're looking forward to see you what we can do for you, but likewise what you can do for us and what God's going to do through us together, okay? So I'm going to ask you to go out into the lobby out there and uh, have people come by. You guys go by and welcome in them into our church family as you pass by. Okay, I think I'm done now. All right. Hey, stand with us as we close in prayer. Good seeing you all this morning. God, thank you for today. God, thank you for... Uh, God, that very clear message that you delivered today, God, that um, we are or we are not. And uh, God, there's no in-between. Uh, we are your child and we receive your gift of salvation. Um, or God, we don't make that decision and make the decision to reject you. God, I just pray that that's no one in our church family, that God, at the end of this thing we call life, that God, we'd all be able to to gather in that heavenly home and, and God maybe we'll recognize each other and, 
just rejoice in the decision that we made and the, the way that we live life here on earth. Lord, let everything that we do bring glory to you, draw others to you. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a great week, everyone. Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of our pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. And let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us. And he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.